just have a word of prayer before we bow. Heavenly Father, we are bowing now in your presence, and we're asking that the sweet Holy Spirit may take his divine presence and bring about the divine will of Almighty God. Oh, Heavenly Father, we bring every person in this sanctuary and all who are listening, and all who are streaming, into your divine presence, O God. We pray that you will give us divine illumination of the Holy Ghost, and revelation of sight, and we pray that we may hear the voice from another place, speaking to us now, in Jesus Christ's name, amen. Amen. And everyone said, Amen. God bless you and all of you that are here from the time, the graduation time yesterday. We appreciate you coming here. You may, if you have a, a pencil and paper, you may want to take some notes and you may want to just make some reference. Uh, I am intend on ta- taking a little bit of, do we have one service or two today? Two today. All right. I want to read out of Genesis, the first chapter, or Genesis, uh, Genesis 3, I'm sorry. <clears throat> Certainly happy for everyone that is present. God bless you and your graduates who graduated yesterday. Trust you're all here. And uh, the teachers, the staff from BCA, Brother Richard, your faithfulness, we speak of you and your good wife often. God bless you. Brother Tom Frey, Sister Kim, your families aren't raised by accident. We thank you for your sons who take part. God bless you. There's quite a few people up here and over here. Brother Murphy will be translating, I expect. And uh, the sound people are up there so that others in other countries can hear what you're hearing. Have the same atmosphere. And that's wonderful. There's a lot of people engaged and we're just happy for their efforts for the Lord. We'll read from the first verse of... Uh, Chapter 3 of Genesis. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, Why may we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden? But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. 
Actually, the serpent's message was simpler than God's message. It was easier to keep. You shall not touch it uh, lest you die. And the serpent said, well, you'll not die. That, that sounds better, doesn't it? All right. And God doth know that in the day that you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and you shall be as God's knowing good and evil. We'll stop to read there. May God help us and bless the word to your heart. You may be seated. I want to speak on the invasion of Eden. When we think of an invasion, we think of armies, tanks, airplanes, explosive power, ships, armadas of ships with torpedoes in their submarines and trained warriors, trained fighters, armed and trained in warfare. He didn't come with any of that. He sent in a silent, stealth, stealth missile of unbelief. And she didn't even know she was disbelieving. It sounded better than even God's message. And that one word, that one word, caused a huge invasion. Brother Branham speaks once, only preaches once on the invasion of the United States of America. And in that message, which is 1954, he covers all the bases of the invasion. And he says clearly, it's an invasion. We're invaded. He covers the position and place of a mother, a wife, a woman, little boys and little girls in school. He covers them as young ladies and young men. He speaks of the morals and the morality and the decline and states clearly it's an invasion of the morals. And he declares that it's on, that it's taken place. And then he goes into the First World War, Second World War, and how Paris had become, now Jerusalem had become a very holy spot, but Paris, here's a prophet now speaking, he said that Paris had become the rat hole of the nations, of the world. And that the German forces had come over and taken France. And then he said, then we went over and drove them back to Germany. And, but he said, we brought everything from France over with us. And he said, and Satan set up his, his headquarters in Hollywood and began to spread it all over the earth. And I want to say to the people that are here, we've all been affected. And then the fashions come in and it's silent. 
It's not big explosions. It's not big invasion such as you expect. Oh, we might have a nuclear invasion. Nuclear invasion is nothing compared to what Satan has brought upon the earth. And so what I'm going to detail today is some of those things, and there will be quite a bit of reading. So now I'm speaking to you that are students. You've been in Sunday school. You've been in, you've been in school. You've graduated, some of you. Some of you are going on to higher education. This is higher education. And be very alert. Have your best retentive powers in place and retain what you hear. And if you're afraid that you won't retain it, jot it down. If you haven't got a paper and pencil, ask for one. And the deacons will get you one. I'm going to have several slides. I'm going to have... Brother Victor Adamore Jr. Ask, uh, attend and uh, help me for my voice. And if you don't understand him, you let him know. So uh, I just want to give some preliminary things. I have here some magazines also. And Michael Ray and Michael Dexter from Louisiana were up filming and just asking me. They said, well, I might want to ask you a bunch of questions because we've been trying to do a second, <clears throat> second edition of uh, I'm a Witness. And I was awakened very, very early in the morning, probably between 3 and 4 o'clock or two and three, somewhere in there, uh, a few weeks ago. And uh, I, I, I was thinking of this, leaving this testimony. I'm not a young man anymore, and I had a very, very hard time. I resisted. I felt so good, so healthy, so strong. Never been in a hospital, never had an operation, never broke a bone hunted in the mountains, lived in the wilderness. I, I thought, you know, and my wife, she's afraid of bears. Bears are my pets. I'm not afraid of bears. I lived with bears. So I, I just felt very, very different. And then when I was around you young people, I had to always battle something. You had your classes. You had your best teachers your and, and schooling and places and I had none of that I didn't have that and I felt I had to just wore off feeling uh, separated a wee bit you know because I never had my own room I never had I never knew exactly where I was going to sleep I was here I was I was a drifter really and uh, mother passed away and I had a stepmother and uh, my father and stepmother went to work in the camps, and so they were in camps, and you understand, and so I didn't want to really major on that. And, uh, but it was difficult. But there was something that was in my heart that I could never, never shake, and that was I had started out my uh, first edition of I'm a Witness with attending Brother Branham's meetings in 1949. 
But I have here some magazines. I have uh, March of 1958. I have uh, March of or September, I think it is, of 19, August of 1958. And I, I just thought I would bring these here. Because I said to the, to Mike, the two Michaels, I said, well, I was kind of uh, disillusioned. They said, disillusioned? I said, well, disappointed. I said, I lived through an incredible time of revival that actually was the spawning grounds of, we speak of Brother William Branham, but they were all over the place. And so it's hard for you to understand. So I just thought I would bring these magazines. I can't show them to you real close up, but I will do my best. And these incidentally came, came in your mail all the time. I got them all the time. Maybe a couple, two, three a month. And so this is a Worldwide Revival magazine. Uh, on the front is a picture of ten evangelists. Ten. And then as you open it up, uh, there's ten evangelists there with a crowd that disappears in the background. There's so many tens of thousands of people. That wasn't unusual. This was a common common sight. And then uh, uh, the next page is Winning the Nations Crusade. That's what we fed on. Winning the Nations Crusade. Then we open up and here's 25 evangelists. These aren't evangelists that had 100, 200 people. They had thousands, tens of thousands. And then there's W. R. W. Culpepper. Ever hear of Mr. Culpepper? He had a half a million people in Bombay in a meeting. And there's the tents and different things and people being healed and testimonies down here. And then we open this up. Have a, have a, have a look at that. Can you see over there? Can you see a little bit? Outstanding testimonies from the Richard Vineyard campaign. Ever hear of Richard Vineyard? World Revival AIM Sam Todd campaigns. Ever hear of Sam Todd? Listen, friends, young people, put yourself in here. This is what I, Brother Ed Biscoll, was reading every Every week or two. Just tens of thousands. There's Tommy Osborne, Tommy Hicks, Tommy Os, uh, and here, here's Reverend Ralph Hart, pastor of the Liberty Temple Church in Detroit, Michigan. Greatest moving of God's Spirit that we have ever seen. These are reputable people. These are pastors. They've had thousands of people and healings. You know that we used to have, this isn't even going to sound real to you, but we used to have magazines coming in and, and pictures of demons on it and uh, very, very difficult to describe to you. But people whose arms had maybe people without arms and the arms were growing. And they would show the length of the arm 
from one magazine to the next. Legs that were growing. The supernatural was not strange to us. And that was, that was in March of 1958. And here in August of 1958, we, I opened up on the, on the cover is a picture of, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And the only two of uh, those ten or maybe three that I recognize is, is, as Sorello. Mr. Sorello from Florida, and he still ministers. Brother William Branham, yes, there's W.V. Grant. And I think one might be Jack Cole. I'm not too sure. And then inside is uh, four, five more, all different. And you open it up, and it's nothing but testimonies. Here's Brother Branham and Brother Grant, I believe, and... and uh, I'm not too sure who else, Lee Vale and, and, and Brother Sorello. Uh, then, then it's just testimonies and testimonies and, and meetings that had been. And there was uh, Brother Culpepper's crowd in Bombay, India. They said he had a half a million people. This wasn't unusual to talk about 100 or 200,000 people, people's tents. I'm, I've been trying to think of one minister, and uh, he had monthly magazines. Brother Tommy Hicks had monthly magazines. Tommy Osborne had monthly magazines. Boys of Healing was monthly magazine. Uh, Christian Businessmen International was a monthly magazine. You remember some of this, did you not? Brother Ernie knows what I'm speaking of. And the rest is just advertisements of different. And then 1961, <clears throat> this is November of 1961. There's three evangelists up there, radio rallies growing. Uh, inside there is uh, someone teaching about the truth, about the present move of God in the historic churches, and that's the starting of the ecumenical movement. And then uh, Native Church Crusades, uh, a report on it, uh, another brother with a new book, uh, Brother Culpepper Reports, and a report on the Culpepper Grant Campaign, and then here is a testimonies. Here's the boy that was raised from the dead in Helsinki, Finland, that Brother Branham prayed for. That's his picture there. And the announcement was a boy really raised from the dead in Finland. And then some pictures and ads of different... Where did the big meetings go to? And then here's another one. Underground Evangelism by Billy Graham. It's all, all filled up with the article. And somebody has written that Billy Graham has, has uh, betrayed the Soviet Christians. 
and then the home church at work inside of China. That's a report. I don't know who's giving the report. It was in a Billy Graham magazine. I began to say, where did the, where did the meetings go? Where did all the tent evangelism go to? And then we begin to see the decline. And then 1965, here's an article. This is the bishop that handed Brother Branham the Bible. Bishop Stanley. And now the ecumenical move was on. And all the people began to come together. Where, where's the meetings? Where, where's the meetings? What was I supposed to do? I'm standing here. I'm a living person. What was I supposed to do? Did I feel disappointed? I felt terribly disappointed. And then, 1978, after the work here had actually started in Cloverdale, in about 1970, 71, 72, and this new wine magazine came out, New Wine, and the main article was Ern Baxter, Brother Branham's first manager. And he's being interviewed by reporters, asked questions, and he's answered. And the questions are all about Brother Branham's meetings. And he says in here, of all the thousands of times or hundreds of times that he saw, and they call it the gift of discernment, which that's a huge mistake. It wasn't a gift of discernment. It was a prophetic gift. It was a prophet amongst us. But they didn't get it. And he said they never, he never saw an error once. What was I supposed to do? Wouldn't you be disappointed? Wouldn't you also say? In fact is, when I stand up and say, how did America get where they are? In just a few years. That's a legitimate question. How did America, how did Canada, how did we get to where we are in these few years? Where did those miracles go? Where did the records go? These are smart people. We've got federal governments. We've got politicians who raise up uh, arguments and, and uh, they, they're supposed to lift up good things and come against bad things. Why aren't they having someone who, Ern Baxter, who's a respected man, why don't they have him who said, of the thousands of times we've never seen an error, why don't they have a man like that in the White House? Why don't they inquire of him when his, his voice is being declared? Communism, I'm sick of all this ministry and preachers about communism sweeping the world. It's nothing but a tool in God's hands. Could have saved 
you precious American people, could have saved you billions and billions of dollars in tax money. But they wouldn't lift it up. They wouldn't believe in it. In fact, is they allowed ministry to degrade it. So what happened between 19, between 1958, uh, 19, I'm sorry, yeah, 1958, March, August 1958, and 1961, when they became Magazines became void of it. What happened was, 1958, Brother Branham preached the serpent seed. And that was kind of the dividing line. In John, the sixth chapter, this was Jesus Christ. Uh, If you want to turn to John, the sixth chapter. And if you ever speak to anyone about the serpent seed, you can go to John 6. You can go to John 6. You can go to Corinthians 11. And hear Apostle Paul speak about it. But in John the 6th chapter is a great debate going on between Jesus and the Pharisees. And incidentally, the Pharisees were the answer man. They were the answer people of the Jews who had been 70 years in Babylon and whole generations, a couple generations of young people who grew up that didn't know anything about the law. So now there were, many of them had come back. Many of them stayed there because the economics in Babylon was much better than when they came back to Palestine. But those that came back had all kinds of questions. Why do we do this and why are we... What's the law say about this? And so in the sixth chapter, uh, we'll look at verse 35. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth forever. If the son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Right away, of course, there's opposition. I know that you are Abraham's seed, but you seek to kill me. Hey, this is, this is really different. Talking to good people. It's like me standing here saying, now because I'm reading this, you want to kill me. This is what Jesus is saying to the well-educated and the cultured people the elite of Israel, and saying, I know that you're Abraham's seed, but you seek to kill me because my word hath no place in you. I speak that which I have seen with my father, and you do that which you have seen with your father. Oh, is there two fathers? I guess so. This is what the debate is really all about. I do that which I have seen with my father, and you do that which you have seen with your father. Oh, just a second. That's why he's just saying, I, I know that you're Abraham's seed, 
But he was, what he was telling them is, you're not Abraham's children. And they answered and said unto him, verse 39, Abraham is our father. Jesus saith unto them, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man that hath told you the truth, which I have heard of God. This did not Abraham. In verse 44, he comes down to it. You are of your father, the devil, and the lusts of your father or the desires of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning. Oh, who was it that was a murderer from the beginning? He didn't say Cain. He said, you were, your father was a murderer from the beginning. This is deep things. And abode not in the truth, because there was no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Now, the reason I read that, the last verse of that chapter. Then took they up stones to stone to cast at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and, and so passed by. So Jesus escaped their stoning. What did I, I, I read these magazines from 1958 to 61. Here the prophet of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, using him as his mouthpiece, that's what a prophet is. Are you with me? And he declared the serpent seed and they dropped off. And here Jesus declares the serpent seed. Your father is not my father. And they fell away and crucified him. And they left him. If you, if you go through the next few chapters of John, you see where they just fled and left him. And so the same pattern, can you say amen as you hear it? The same pattern follows in his visitation on earth and in his revelation in our time. And that's what I was seeing. And so here I am as a witness saying, I was bewildered, wouldn't you be? I got a, 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 an email from one of the young people that was in the graduation last night. Wasn't a grad. It was a younger girl. She was about 14. And she said that she didn't understand how that the young girls that she was with could even talk, but they were busy talking while I was speaking. How could they even speak when you were, and how they were all totally missing what a great man has to say? She repeated pretty much your entire message and emphasized on the Lord taking the path from here. She gathered that. When I invited Brother Branham now, for, for those of you, many of you don't know, so I'm telling you for the first time. When I invited Brother Branham, I had all these questions in my heart. 
Where did this go? What happened to these anointed men? I heard them preach. I saw some of the great things happen. What are you supposed to do with that? Some of you young men. What would you do if you were sitting in this service and saw half of this congregation stand up at once as I did and with one voice cry out, Open up ye gates and let the King of Glory come in. You're going to say, that's an accident? And then they sat down and this side stood up and cried out, Who is this King of Glory? And sat down and this side stood up and said, The Lord of hosts! He's the king of glory. Wouldn't you have the goosebumps? I have goosebumps now. Just relating it to you. It happened in Edmonton, Alberta. About as many people as there is here. Maybe six or seven hundred people. How can you not have a question? What happened to that? Where did it go? And finally I was with a man. I had to consider him very honest. And I said one thing, and this is what I said in my heart. Ern Baxter, who was a pastor from Vancouver, was in Vernon in that meeting. And he stood up and said, William Branham will not pray for anyone until the angel of the Lord is here at the platform. And I was sitting right down here, where Sister Callista or Quina was. And I said, if that angel is still with him, because I know that an angel from God will not confirm or be at the platform where falsehood is being taught or someone who is off the rails is away from God, I know it won't happen. And so I was sitting on the platform about where Brother Tim or Brother Tom is, Brother John. I was sitting behind. And up came, I had resigned from a church a year and a half before and had moved down here to Victoria, British Columbia. And so I was standing, sitting there with these questions, these questions in my heart. I'm being desperately honest with you now. And I wondered, I, I didn't know, I thought if he's a prophet of God, maybe he's going to turn around and say, you hypocrite. You're doubting. You're not believing. But instead, he says nothing. And a woman comes up, comes up and she has her hands folded here. She's standing six, eight feet from the pulpit. Brother Branham says to her, and I happen to know her. She's a very good friend of my family. And she'd been in our church many times, and I preached, and she heard me preach many times. She and her husband had no children, and they lived in Fort St. John. And I knew them very well. And Sister Clunt comes in to the prayer line, and she's standing there, and Brother Branham is standing there. And I'm sitting back about where Brother Tom is. And I wondered, 
Is the angel still there? Is the angel still there? Is he going to speak the truth? And he says, you're a very nervous woman. You're very nervous. And he often said that. Most people are nervous at some point in time. You're very nervous. And then when he got done with that, he said, but you have something else on your heart. You're praying for a man. He's not a Christian. He's a sinner. He's dying with cancer. And the man lives, does not live in this city. He lives just north of here in a town called Fort St. John. You can hear it. It's on the tape. And it's called Fort St. John. Are those things true? And she's acknowledging, of course, they're true. And he tells, he says, take the handkerchief that's in your hand. And if you believe, and give it to him, and he, if you believe, he'll be well. And I looked him up on Google, and he died two months later. This was May of 1961. And Brother Branham did not know where I was taking him. I was driving him up the Alaskan Highway the next morning, early, very early. And there was only one other person with us in the car, and it was Brother Chris Berg. Brother Branham asked if I could take Brother Chris Berg. He attended our church while I was in Dawson Creek. And as we went past this building, this old house, a farmhouse, on the highway at the entrance to go into the town, Brother Branham swung his arm behind my head. He said there was a woman. She came in the prayer line. I believe she was praying for a man from Fort St. John. I got excited. I said, oh, Brother Branham, that's Sister Clunt. I know her very well. And he never... He never gave any smile or any notice of my conversation. He just said, and by this time we were going slower because of the speed zone. And he had to, we went past the house and he swung his arm like this behind my head. He said, the man's in that house. He was in that house and he died two months later. Right. I ask you as a congregation before we go on. What was I supposed to do? That's why I'm here. And that's why I say to the students and the young people, someone has to pick up the mantle and be serious about the things of God. We are not here just to fellowship as a church, but we are here to carry a message. This is a message that God has sent. And it's the same message that was sent in the beginning. And it was this man who said to me, these big meetings are all over. He said to me, to my face, these meetings are over. And I say, my meetings also are over. These big meetings are over, including his big meetings. He didn't expect them anymore. And they did. They passed off the scene. Why? I say because a message was coming. 
And I say to you as a congregation, I say to all that are on the streaming of this church, may God bless you, but I want to declare to you and announce to you that this message holds the secret, holds the secrets of our spiritual life and spiritual victory against this invasion of Satan. And who can say it's not an invasion? It is an invasion. And you cannot deal with it with weapons or guns or anything else or explosive power. You cannot, you cannot even think. Your mind cannot grasp some way of victory over it. But the Holy Spirit of God, He has sent His Spirit. And that's why I said to the graduating class last night, you have left your school, you've left your principal, you have left your teachers, You've left your mentors, but he said, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. And I say to you, he has come to us. He has descended to us. In a message, he's not leaving it clothed and veiled. He has unveiled it so that we can know it and understand it. And he will send his spirit through the men of God and the servants of God. And I can tell you, over the years, I will tell you one last thing. I have seen people come and go, but those that have remained steadfast, those that have remained steadfast against the winds and storms of time, they are the ones who have been victorious. They're the ones who years later don't have to come back making some request of some sort. I can tell you, friends, those that have chased and say, well, I will just follow uh, the best college or the best university, that my message this morning will follow that. We're not anti that. But the tree of, the tree of, of knowledge of good and evil, we have the product of it. And it's up to us to know what we must uh, hear, the voice we must hear. And those that have chased just success. A young man comes to Jesus. He comes running to him. Good master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And the Bible says Jesus looked upon him and loved him. And Brother Branham said there must have been something about him, something about his looks and his appearance and his honesty. Good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus responded to him, do all the commandments, the things of Moses. He said, all that I have kept from my youth up. Jesus loved him. And he was hearing God speak. God speak, if thou wouldst be perfect, go and sell all that thou hast. And give it to the poor, you'll have great riches in heaven. And he went away sorrowful because he had great possessions. And the Bible says, and the prophet says, 
he didn't accept eternal life. He had the opportunity to accept eternal life. There was an invasion that took place. And Brother Brown talks about doctors, and they were good friends of his. And I'm very thankful for excellent doctors. He says, there's hospitals, he said. I'm not opposed, uh, he said, but it's not building a school or building a hospital or even a Bible school or hospitals. He says, I'm not opposed to that, but that's not the answer. We have to know there's a, a voice, and I speak to you individually, and I would say so if I was across the table from you. You have a voice inside that's speaking to you, and there's a twinge inside, whether it's right or whether it's wrong, and you know that I speak the truth to you. May I hear you say amen. Don't be led by the voices of this world. Do not be led. If you do, it'll be a disaster. Whether it has to do with your future or where you're going to study, or whether or where you're going to study, or where you're going to, what kind of profession you're going to have. I say one thing. Give yourself unreservedly to God. And anything you do and anywhere you go, you keep in the back of your mind that I might be fruitful that I might do something for the kingdom of God's sake. I'm here for a very short time, and I want to just be, I want to benefit the kingdom. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you agree with me? God bless you. And now, that's kind of the background. I want to read... Where's Brother Victor? Okay. Can we rig up? You got a microphone? Brother Victor's going to help me read. Okay, we'll put up slide one. You want me to do it? Okay, just read that. Yeah. But we fail them. He that will follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. I wonder if we haven't made the beauty of the church too pretty for the fellow that comes in. I wonder, and I want to dwell on this a wee bit. In this message, the invasion of the United States of America, he's not talking about the seventh vision. When he talks about the seventh vision, I saw America in craters and, and smoke and, and people walking out, as Malachi says, on the ashes of the wicked. How do you know that's not happening at this time? Someone come and tell me, that's not happening. I can tell you there are people, holy people. There's a holy nation 
that has risen up. In fact, is their sins. You can find all kinds of things wrong with them. I can tell you that there's a God that sees everything. And that God has declared through a mouth of his own prophet, he spoke himself and he said, there is no sin. There's no record against them. I have created a new blood. I have made a second creation. And that second creation went to the cross and paid the full debt for all of these, my family. And they are sinless. There's no sin remembered against them anymore. Isn't that wonderful? But all of this stuff that comes in. He says, but we fail to tell them. He that will follow me, let him deny himself. Some of us need to remember that. We need to deny ourselves and follow him. And Brother Branham is asking, I wonder if we haven't made the beauty of the church too pretty for the fellow that comes in. I wonder, Brother Ben, is it Brother Ben? Your daddy gave up a year. He quit a good job, and he worked one year over there. Brother Sam Walder and I were together on our knees laying the tiles, and then others came in. Joseph, you came in. God bless you. Others came in, and we worked on our hands and knees until the tile, and all the kids, you know, you prance in and you walk in, wonder if it ever occurred. My pastor, brothers in the church, were on their knees filling this tile together. And I thank you, Brother Matthew Riddell. You brought it to my attention. I'm just putting all these things in because this is all part of our... We drive into the church. Sister Charity and Brother Nathan... You worked and labored here. I want to tell you what my sister Biscoe said twice. She didn't know who did it. She said, this is the nicest I've ever seen in the church. All the hedges are cut. All the lawn is cut. Everything's done. Sister Charity and Brother Nathan, why don't you just stand a moment? Here's the two that do it, that did it. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. But don't forget, people do it out of the love of their heart for the Lord Jesus Christ. Not to make a pretty church. Not to make it just a pretty yard to come to. And we'll read the next one. I'm afraid we've made it too easy. Just stop on that. I'm afraid we made it too easy. Just say that again. I'm afraid. I'm afraid we've made it too easy. 
I'd like the congregation to say it, please. I'm afraid we've made it too easy. I think joy, certainly, I believe that all joys lay in Jesus Christ. That's right. I believe it's joyful and happy. But remember, brother, it's the way of agony and suffering and the cross. You must realize that, too. That's right. And what's the last line, brother? I wonder if we haven't painted a little too much, too smooth like. I wonder if we haven't painted it too smooth like. It's just for you to consider and think about. I think that's where a whole lot of the American evangelism is today. That we've set it in a form of, I'd say, Hollywood evangelism whole lot of glamour. We notice the evangelist comes to the platform today, and my, he's all puffed out. Forgive me. Today. All kinds of evangelism. Now, here it lays, here it lays, here's the secret. Here it lays. A prophet is speaking in 1954, and by 1958, it already, within 36 months, it's gone. And he's saying, where it's gone? Because we've permitted Hollywood glamorizing evangelism. And they did, they did glamorize it and made it wonderful, and they brought all kinds of features on the platform and, and all the kinds of music and all kinds of jumping and making. He said, of course I believe in joy. Not that kind. He said, in a whole lot of glamour, we notice the evangelist comes to the platform today and my, he's all puffed out and tells a whole lot of jokes before he starts to preaching and things like that and carries on and acts like a clown in the pulpit. When it comes time to make an altar call, the people don't even see any sincerity to make an altar call by. That's right, he said. That's the reason. Here's the answer. That's the reason. Are you visiting here? Now you'll hear the truth. That's the reason. And this is what we believe. Amen. That's the reason the world's got in a lukewarm condition today that's in it. Revival. And then I was going to show you the revival magazines. Where are these tens of thousands of people? Where are they? Who, who did this? 
I say, we've been invaded. And Satan's still the invasion business. But Jesus has said, as I live, so shall you live. And the prophet of God declared, he was the mighty conqueror. Amen. Amen. You believe that, Brother Victor? I believe it with all my heart. Hallelujah, grads. He was the mighty conqueror. I don't care what college or what university or what profession you follow. Follow it for him. Make sure he's number one. He's not a second place. He's not a second rate person. He, he, he deserves every, our very, very best. I'll give you my best time. I'll give you my best hours. Amen. I'll give you my best years. Amen. And we're trying above all things to give you the best kind of church and the best kind of opportunity to live right before God, to come to the altar at any time. And we'll pray with you. That's what we believe in, don't we? We believe that, brothers. Yes, we do. And I'm pouring out my heart and soul. And don't think it's just a negative thing. It's not a negative thing. It's a negative thing that becomes very positive. And that's the reason why the church world has got into a lukewarm condition. I wonder, you notice he says that many times, I wonder, if we're not living in that kind of time, when we take great evangelists like many that's crossing the lands today of great known evangelists who have studied psychology and attract the people to the church, but after you once get them into the church, then what are you doing going to do for them or to them? <clears throat> what are they going to happen after they get into the church? Just join the church and go back with the same sin. And the same desire that they came into the church with, they go back the same way. And the reason they, the reason today the world looks on said, well, if that man got religion, if this person got religion, he said, I'm afraid we've made it too easy. Because they say, if they got religion, I can have it. I went to a meeting. How many know where the city of Toronto is? I and my wife and my three daughters, the five of us, went to a meeting. It was an ecumenical movement meeting. And it was just starting. I mean, this was part of the dilemma. One was fading, and all the people were coming together, and I thought, well, that must be wonderful. People are coming in, receiving the Holy Spirit from all kinds of churches, and Salvation Army, and Lutheran, and Presbyterian, and Baptist, and Pentecostal, all mingling together. So I went to this meeting. It was in St. Jude's Church, Toronto. We drove in lovely grounds, lovely little church, and we went in, and I was very shocked as I went in. Two ministers were outside having a cigarette. 
before they went in. And so we just had a time of fellowship that in the fellowship room, and they went into the sanctuary. And some someone over here, they thought, I guess they thought I didn't register with me, but they were laughing, like laughing in the spirit or something. I thought, well, that doesn't sound very genuine. And then they, someone spoke in tongues and someone was interpreting and all kinds of things were happening. And then they were going to have communion. And they had little benches that would come down so we could kneel on that and have communion. And I looked to my family. The place was full. This was not easy, friends. But this is when you listen to the still small voice. I said, these men will never give me communion. I said, we are leaving here. Right at that moment, in the sacred of communion, and five of us stood up. They listened to me. Brother Matthew... That's why I say sometimes our absence makes a greater statement. And we walked out. Never walked back there into that church again. Maybe that doesn't mean anything to anybody, but it's just a part of our testimony. And if you feel that we speak a lie or we speak an error, you're free to stand up and leave. But if you believe that we speak the truth, the altar's here. I found them going back with the same sin. And then I found people who had been delivered. I'm sorry, but I'm going to ask you a question. I knelt at an altar here, praying for people, praying for, praying for sisters, women, that were receiving Christ. And they used their tears to wipe their face and wipe all the mascara and all of the paint off their face. And they use their tears. And I watch them from a few inches away. And now I'm in churches. They're coming in and receiving the Holy Spirit. And I see the same women. Not the same women exactly, but the same groups. I see the Pentecostal people walking in with all kinds of jewelry on. And lipstick on. And I'm confused. Because I naturally say, I prayed with them while they washed it off with their tears of repentance. Was that the Holy Ghost or is this the Holy Ghost? What is the Holy Ghost? You have a, you have a reason. And that is why I also said, is the angel still with you? The angel is the angel of the Lord. Still with them. Listen, friends, I can tell you, I may be gone 
before too long. I don't know. But one thing I will say to you, this message, not only is it recorded, but it will stay the same. And what he spoke the same will be the good in 1940s or 1950s or, or the 2000s or to the graduating class of 2018. It still remains the same. This eternal God that we have remains steadfast. And it will always be the same. And I mean, I, friends, I'm going to be perfectly honest. If you want this, all this Tommy Rod out there and Google and lovey-dovey and stuff that just doesn't, it's just worthless. And I will have no part of it. Can you say amen? amen? Do you believe me, young man? I pray for young men. I'm looking for a quote here. So they go back the same way. That's the reason today the world looks on and said, well, if that man got religion, if this person got religion, they, I could have said the same thing. And poor people who come in or feel drawn in, they look and they see this person's the same as that person, and I saw him at the bar, and, 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 and what's right? Was that right or is this right? We're giving him a double standard. Not we. I'm glad that we don't. I pray that we don't. God help us that we don't. Have you got a few minutes? I'll just be a few more minutes. Notice in France, they started all their rottenness and going on the way they lived over there. And then God sent Germany in to them to beat off a little bit. Then we went over there to save their hide. And as soon as we'd done that and won the war, sent the Germans back and peace with France, did they turn to God? No, sir. Women, wine, debauchery, sin, and filth to the gills. Then what did they do? What happened? Here's where we started. Here's where we started. The devil set up his headquarters there. There's where he started, right there to demoralize the world from Paris, France. And then if you notice, he couldn't get in there through the ministry. So the thing he'd done was come here to Hollywood, out here. I mean, California is a nice place. I've been in Hollywood, California. It's quiet. The stars, the movie stars, they don't want the filth that they're creating. They don't even want the filth that you throw all over the world. And it's a nice, quiet place. You can go and go to your special place and have a, you know, a nice cold fruit drink and so on and so forth. He said he set up his headquarters over here in Hollywood. The devil landed back here a few years ago, 15 or 20 years ago. And now this is 54. I'm sorry. Yeah, 54 that he's speaking. So he's invaded the United States with his demon power. 
He's invaded. Listen, friends, we're just a minuscule, we're just a fly on the elephant's back. The United States, as far as firepower is concerned, is one of the greatest nations on earth. And, and furthermore, it's the worm within. It is a debauchery from within that rots the nation. And there's been other superpowers. Egypt was a superpower. Rome was a superpower. Where did they go? They went demoralized. And immorality took them. And they fell and never, ever rose again. I don't know if I have the strength. You people here of 2018 are the most privileged. I don't know anybody. And I have a reason. I have... I think I have a valid reason. I'm the one that felt bewitched. I'm the one that felt betrayed. I'm the one that was disillusioned. I'm telling you why I was disillusioned. I have every reason to stand at this pulpit and say, I saw it. I saw the great powers. And I'm the one that asked the prophet of God sitting sitting on a log in my country. And that's why I... I'm so moved when I can say, He came to me. When I could not go to Him, He came to me. I'm so glad He came to me. Found me on a log in the wilderness country. I'm so glad, an illiterate person as I am, I'm so glad He came to me. And uh, my first question was, how can these anointed men, and I said, my words were, I know what the anointing is. How can they preach? How can they speak in tongues? How can they have all these miracles? And yet their lives do not measure up to the Word of God. He said, tell me, the rain falls on the just and the And I answered the unjust. He said, right. In the last days, this is exactly what he did. In the last days, saith God, I'll pour out my spirit upon all. And he said, A-L-L, flesh. He said, all flesh is not saved. Of course. But he pours out his spirit upon all flesh. He says, the wheat and the seed... He says, the wheat and the tares grow in the same earth. You tell me, he said. He said to me, you tell me what the wheat rejoiced in. And he went like this. And I'll tell you what the tares rejoiced in. You tell me what nurtured and gave life to the wheat. And I can tell you what gave life to the tares. Listen, friends, for a person, we're not the only church. In the hillside. We're not the only people who claim salvation. No, not at all. We're not into that. And Brother Branham even says in this, in the invasion of America, he says, I, it's not the individual. There are, he talks about a, a, a young lady in Jeffersonville. He said, a young lady, a young mother, a nice young mother. She walks out. She's got a little child. She walks out. He says, why does she 
There was workmen that came to work. It sounded like city workmen. They came to work on the road. And she walks out with those clothes, they said. Why does she walk out like that? It is such an indebtment, he calls it indebtment, to American society. And he just wonders about that. Why is that happening? He's even asking that. And I was asking, why are these people? How is it that they can anoint being so anointed? The anointing, friends, is not the key. It's the life that's the key. Amen. Amen. And all our fashions come from Paris. And they get into Hollywood, onto the screens. And these little girls, now I, I made a track. I kept a track of who he was speaking of. He spoke of women, spoke of fathers, spoke of mothers, that they should be at the stove in the kitchen. He said instead of their driving taxi cabs and they're doing all this kind of professional work and throwing themselves out before the men. Listen, friends, this may not be popular, but it's still the truth. Might say, well, that was a different era. That was a different time. Right. But God's the same. I and my wife wanted to get married. And I went and spoke with her father, and he said, well, he said she might want to travel. He said she might want to do something else. So I'd like you to wait. So I said, okay. And I'm, I'm glad that she had an opportunity to get up and just sat with Linda on the platform in Germany. Brother Kohlenbrunner said, <clears throat> I'd like your wife to give her testimony. I would ask my wife. I'd never even talked to her. She didn't even know. And he asked me again just before she, he was going to ask her, and I, I didn't ask her. But she got on the platform, and I was impressed as well. She said, my dad had a store. I could have had anything, but I didn't desire it. I never once saw her at the cosmetic counter. Never once. Never once. And I bought a couple nice things for her. She wouldn't wear them. So I finally sold them. Isn't that the wise thing to do? You buy them, they won't wear them, just sell them. He said, these little girls and these little boys and things get out there. They watch them screen plays. Nice little kitties. Fine little fellows. Nothing against them. God bless their little hearts. My heart bleeds for them. Isn't that amazing? That was back in 1954. I told you this just now. 
What in the world would a mother want or anybody put on those little old dirty clothes and stretch themselves out before men? You're pretty, sister. You're pretty, mother. I thank God for you. But you're pretty, but you haven't got the Holy Spirit there to protect those morals. You've had better, you'd have been better if you was so ugly nobody would have looked at you and went to heaven. That's right, that's true. Watch what you're doing, those morals. Don't care what the world says. I don't care how you try to coax around it. Brother, there is no red-blooded man pulling up to it. Now he's talking about dancing. Another man's wife and feel the same. You know that's the truth. They've got our women and stripped them out yonder in the offices and the driving, the taxi cabs, and, and up and down the street where they ought to be at home behind the stove cooking and fixing the dinners. You may feel that that's not exciting. Tell my wife it's not exciting. She didn't work. She was at home. And when the kids would come in from school, the first thing they'd yell is, Hey, Mom! I wanted Mom to be there. And was it easy? No, it wasn't always easy. It was difficult sometimes. We didn't have the support of a church. We didn't have support from anywhere. And we didn't have support from her dad. He was a wonderful man. But we didn't have that financial support. Some of you kids come here and your mother and dad work hard to pay your tuition and so on. You want to really thank them for it. What is it, he said? It's the devil. The invasion's on. I'm going to close in three or four minutes. I ain't saying nothing about this individual or that individual. I'm saying it's unclean spirits that are possessing the people, driving them right into it. The invasion of the United States, the overthrow of the church. The church is overthrown by the devil. Oh, hallelujah, he says. I say that because I feel the Holy Spirit is here. The invasion's on. Just sweeping from house to house, from place to place, from church to church, and from man to man. He notice he doesn't say from country to country, from place to place, from church to church. And friends, we want to decide, I appeal to you, just determine in your heart, by God's grace, this shall be a holy place. This will be a place where the Holy Spirit will have his full freedom and where the word of God will be preached and where people will feel free to come to the altars and whatever, as soon as you feel the least tinge to go the way of the world, just say in your heart, I do this, I live my life for Christ. I will be a witness wherever I am and whether they like it or do not like it, nevertheless I will remain the same. 
He said, what caused all this stuff? What caused ministers to act like this? What made preachers prophesy this lie to the people? What did it years ago? What do you Methodist people, when old John Smith, he was one of the founders, was packed to his pulpit to preach the gospel, and he preached a short message of four hours, and he said, the trouble of it is that my heart is breaking. He said, the Methodist daughters are even wearing rings on their fingers, and today they've dressed in shorts and little old dirty clothes, and they'll be perfectly nude in another five years if something ain't done. Go to our schools today. Look at our school children, our little old fellows that go to school. You just ought to know what goes on. Little girls down here in the schools and things like that at the age of 14 and 15, their mommy sent them to school, wrecked morally, mentally, and dope fiends, dope addicts and cigarette pumpers, everything else like that. And a little bitty age, a little bitty age of little children like that. I tell you what, friends, the prophet speaks the truth. Say amen. amen. The prophet speaks the truth. And he's trying to, he's seeing an invasion that's taken place. And he's coming against the spirits. Amen. Not the individuals. He said they're wonderful little people and they love the little children and so on. It's the spirit. He's, he's, he's battling a spiritual warfare. Amen. And I am giving myself to the same message saying, oh God, Raise up men and women. Raise up our young people. Raise up our children. Raise up our teachers. Raise up our church to be a light in the wilderness. And a little bitty age and the little children like that, it'd be as hard to find a virgin among some of them as it would be to find a needle in a haystack where they have blanket dates with the boys and stretch out on the riverbanks and everything, everywhere else. And then he ends this paragraph. I need to just make time. He said the last part of this paragraph, because they got a little old social gospel standing there where preachers stand and talk about the little petty things and little bitty stories of the Bible or something like that instead of preaching repentance. And I want to say repentance in capital letters. If you ever feel a sense to repent, just feel free. This place stands for it. Amen. 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 I was approached last night. Last night. Last night. I was approached amongst all of the happiness and all the joy and everything else of the graduation. I was approached. And a person says to me, I want you to forgive me. And tears ran down their face. And I said, I forgive you. My wife standing beside me said, I forgive you. That's what I like to see. As soon as God speaks to a person... Doesn't matter whether it's a graduation. Doesn't matter if everybody's laughing and it's full of hilarity. 
It's, a, it's what, what God is speaking to the heart. Amen. Listen instantly and answer immediately. Amen, amen, amen. 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 Hallelujah. <laughs> I believe it. Amen. And I rejoice in that. I rejoice in that. And then what do you do? You say, I do. I forgive you. It's forgotten. And he said, he ends this paragraph here. He said, look, whatever an environment you live in, that's what you are. And you that have come from other countries, you that have come from the UK or Africa, or Europe, or China, or whatever country you come from. Hold fast your morals. Hold fast the way you pray and the way you live. Don't follow our standard. It may be good and it may not be good. Don't follow and become Canadianized or Americanized or European, whatever it is. Don't follow it. It's all right, friends. Now to you mothers, <clears throat> that's mothers. Just a word to you before going. God bless you. Bring your children up right. Every time, and this is almost my theme to this message, you sisters that are here, you that are mothers and you that are not mothers, every time that you break the morals of a womanhood, you break the backbone of the nation. Now, Brother Victor, God wants to send a message to the earth. He sends it down, and a man speaks it. You women are the backbone of America. You're the backbone of this nation. You're the backbone of Canada. You sisters are the backbone of China. You're the backbone of the Asian countries. Europe, I would say the bride of Jesus Christ, is the backbone of America. The backbone. I was sitting on the platform here, brothers, And I just begin to say, the backbone, the backbone of the nation. And I began to ask, didn't God say something? Didn't Brother Ben say something about that? Does the Bible say something about that? And I looked, and the first thing I came up with was here, right here, the backbone. Don't dare go out of this church failing to know that. Whatever you do, And you may be a young lady, not even married yet, but let it be known that you have been entrusted with a trust 
from God Almighty to be the backbone of a family, of a church, and of the whole nation. And God bless you, is my prayer. Shall you stand, please? Thank you, Victor. You've helped me out. Help me. Thank you very much. Lord God, give me some strength to my voice. God bless you. Brother Ryan, okay, I'd like to just sing a verse or two of that chorus. Uh, Have faith in God. I didn't, I, I left it in there. sing this song have my faith looks up to thee would you put it on the screen please my prayer. Let's sing it together.
Lord Jesus, I commit this lovely congregation and all who hear and all who are streaming and those that will hear later, I pray you will bless this word. Bless the believers wherever they are, oh God. And may they hear your words that their labors are not in vain in the Lord. In Jesus Christ's name, now the service this evening, I ask that you'll bless it immensely for your glory. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.